It's been a great week. I've really enjoyed speaking to you. I'm kind of impressed. Now, I know it's Thursday, so I shouldn't say this. I'm kind of impressed on how awake you stay. You either really drink a lot of coffee or you're really good at daydreaming. But good job, good job. And at college, most of the time, I have way more students sleeping. So this is great. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. It's I'm sorry for you. So there'll be one cabin with some disciplinary action later. Uh, <laughs> All right, so today we're going to go ahead and read uh, the text first. We'll pray. And this time when I read the text, normally I just try to read straight through it, but I'm going to make little annotations as we go through because I want you to understand like what the text is. There's something controversial here. Um, the Lord is good. The Lord is all-powerful. <clears throat> the Lord is faithful. There's a lot of attributes of the Lord, but the Lord is wisdom. And so when wisdom is spoken about, it's reflecting the character of God because God is wisdom. So today, wisdom is going to do some things that don't seem very God-like. And I want you to pay attention to those as we read through. So let's go ahead, and uh, I'm just going to pray really quick for the, that God would bless the reading of his word, and then we're going to dive in. Father, we love you. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for the way you are kind to us. You are uh, long-suffering. You're very patient with us, God. And Lord, you, you know where we're at and you know what we need when we need it. And you provide those things, God. And even this week, you've been doing that. Uh, a word's been said, an arm's been uh, offered, uh, counsel's been given. And Lord, you know exactly what's going on. And we're thankful for that. We're thankful for your providence. We're thankful for your sovereignty. Pray now, Lord, that as we read the word, it would do its work in our souls. I pray that we would see clearly what it means and that it would help us, Father. It would help us. In your son's name we pray, amen. So when Solomon arranged these, if you notice, there's like sections that we're covering. The reason I've chosen those is because in chapters one through nine, there's like 10 mini sermons and a couple of interjections. And this, these are like singular sermons. So if, if Solomon was going to give a lesson to his teens in his youth group or do like a, a devotional or a sermonette, this would be the way he did it. And so these are kind of standalone thoughts that he's offering to the next generation. So this is for you. So imagine that we're all sitting down listening to Solomon speak, and he's going to talk about this wisdom. So verse 20, we're going to be in verse 20 all the way through the end of the chapter today. <clears throat> wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of noisy streets, she calls out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O oh simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you would turn at my reproof or my rebuke, behold, I would pour out my spirit on you and make my words known to you. Sounds like a good offer from wisdom. Verse 24, but because I've called and you've refused to listen, I've stretched out my hands, and no one's heeded. Because you've ignored all of my counsel, and you'd have none of my reproof. I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock you when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm, and calamity comes on you like a tornado. When distress and anguish come upon you, you'll call out for me. 
I will not answer. You'll seek me diligently, but you will not find me. Man, you understand that God is saying, so in high school, I've told the story already, but we had a motivational speaker come one time. I was a public school, and so motivational speakers are like, rah, rah, tell funny stories and move on. And it's, it's not really long-lasting. But he had this one funny story. He said, in my high school, if a girl, you know, you're walking between classes carrying your stuff, your books or whatever, and she were to, like, stumble and drop all her books, her girlfriends, because they're her friends, would come and help her pick it up. But if a guy was walking to the next class and dropped all his books, his guy friends, because they're his friends, do what? They go and they just kick him straight down the hall, right? Yeah, it's like guys are looking for opportunities to make our friends' lives worse. It's like what we do. And like, you know this, you've done it this week. I was eating yesterday, just having a nice conversation, eating a plate full of food out there, and then my life got really freezingly cold because one of my former students decided to dump some ice on me. And then Pastor Shank was laughing, and then they dumped an entire garbage can on him. And this is just what they do. This, is, this happens to you. Yeah, um, you, you. You know, something goes bad, and uh, my brother, he was sitting in the passenger seat of my car. We're, we're going to school, and I'm driving, because I can drive. And uh, we're going 25, 25 mile an hour. And I said, hey, can you get my, um, my CD player out from under the seat? Because we used to have, like, CD players. Okay. And so he, he leans under the seat to get it dashes here. He gets about here and I just pump the brakes. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> he was ticked. <laughs> Two years later, I wouldn't do that because he got to where he could bench 330 and he was only like this tall. So, I mean, he's like a mini Kirkwood for a while. Um, but we do this. We like torment one another. Okay. Um, but please understand that when it says there's anguish and there's terror striking you, this is not that. Your life is falling apart, you're going through something really terrible, you cry out to God for wisdom, and God doesn't answer you? Doesn't that seem harsh? Doesn't that seem unloving? Does that seem completely out of the character of God that we've been studying this week? Here's Jesus talking to the woman at the well, and he's so kind and loving, and he sees through her and he sees who she really is. He doesn't judge her, and he's gentle, and he's loving. He's truthful. He doesn't pull truth back, but he's gentle. And now Proverbs is saying, wisdom will laugh at you when you calam calamity strikes you. Um, part of what we want to do today is clarify how God can be so mean. Why would God be so mean? The answer is he's not. We'll get to there. But I just want you to, I want to plant that seed. That's a big issue here. I don't want you to see this and then look back at your life and say, yeah, God really does abandon. He doesn't. He doesn't. But there's a lesson here that you need to understand now in your life. It's very timely. All right, back to the text. Verse 29, because they hated knowledge and they didn't choose the fear of the Lord, they would have none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof, all my rebukes. Therefore, they will eat the fruit of their way. They will have the fill of their own devices. For the simple, and here's the lesson. This is like the final like, nugget that he wants his sons and the next generation to get. For the simple are killed by their turning away. The complacency of fools destroys them. But 
whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. The text today is going to explain that God will offer you wisdom in life, and it's, it's gonna, we're going to see that it's widely available. It's not being hidden. God's not like up there, oh, if you would just do the right thing, I would bless you and be okay with you. And you don't know what the right thing is, but I'm not going to tell you. It's not like that. It's not like having a conversation with a bitter person who's like, why are you mad? You don't know? I'm not going to tell you. Whoa, 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 that's not God. He's not like that. But the point is that if you don't listen to this at a certain point in your life, it's going to be too late. Now, have you ever had a situation where it's too late? Like you've made a mistake and you've realized it? Like I shouldn't have done this and now you're like staring it right in the face? So this might help you. So those of you who understand motorcycles, what's he going to do? What's he trying to do right here? A front wheelie, okay? So he's like hitting the brakes so the back wheel goes up. Now, can you just, here, I got a laser pointer. Can you see this? What's this feathery thing? It's all the fluid from his strut that just exploded. And the look on his face is, oh. and you know what he's saying in his mind? Oh, it's too late for wisdom. <laughs> That's what he's saying. He's like, too late for wisdom! <laughs> Because probably someone said, Are you really, should you really do that on your motorcycle? All right. Whoo! <laughs> this is the one that makes your insides go, you know. He's like, this will be fun. Ah, too late for wisdom. <laughs> he's about to, oh, man. Because you can tell, because, you see how he's, <laughs> I can fly for one more second. <laughs> one more second. <laughs> it's going to be fun for one second. <laughs> this one, okay. Will this technology work? Oh, oh, oh no, oh no, oh no, too late for wisdom! Boom! <laughs> it, it was a good idea, it was sort of a good idea. Oh. So, can you imagine being the photographer and you're like, and then you go back and, whoa, he's like right here. Now, but in all seriousness, have you had one of these moments? Like, I'm, we're being silly, but you. You, you did something, it was stupid, and you see where you're about to land. And it's more than just like with a bike. All right, what else do we got? Oh, this guy. He's walking across a frozen lake. Probably you northerners know about this. Uh, oh, uh, oh, oh! He was, look it, look it. He was right here. What a valiant effort. And now it's like he's out at the luau getting ice dumped on him. And this is my favorite. Run with the bulls, they said. It'll be fun, they said. <laughs> it's too late for wisdom. Okay, so these are, these are funny. These are funny. Um, but in life, this stuff happens, and we're laughing, but I'm, I doubt that. I mean, you, I wish you could zoom in on his face. Like, look at that. I mean, look at that right there. And so sometimes in life, you're the guy or girl and the bull is right here. And it, do you understand that none of these people who did these things were unaware of the risk, right? Like if you run with the bulls, you know people get gored. If you're going to do bike jumps, you know people fall and break ankles and bones stick out the skin and all that. And so like you know that these things happen, but you did it anyways. And, you know, okay, they do this. But what about in life? What about when it comes to not just doing stupid acrobatic things and getting injured, what about what the Bible says about how you should live? What is it like when 
don't do this. This is a warning. Solomon's given us warning after warning this week. And what happens when you don't listen? All right, so now let's talk. Let's talk about wisdom's warning, okay? So in 20 to 21, it said these odd things that wisdom is calling out in the street and crying aloud in the public square. Wisdom here is being, it's like a person. It's not really a person, but it's like we're treating it like a person. It's called personification. I'm sure you've learned about that. And so imagine wisdom is like a person, lady wisdom. She's out calling out. Why is she at the head? Look, look at all the places she's calling out. She's at a noisy street. She is at the entrance of the city gates. She is, um, oh no, that's it, the streets and the city gates. So let's, real quick here, it's a loud street. Why does she point out that it's loud? Why is it noisy? Well, it probably means it's busy, okay? So this is not like a country road, okay? This is not a country road, it's not going to take you home. And she's at a noisy street, uh, yeah. she's at a noisy street, which means there's a lot of people. At the city gate, why does that matter? Well, we don't really have city gates now. I mean, we, but, but the city gate in this day would have been where you met to do all your business. If you want to hire workers for the day, they'd be waiting at the city gate. If there was some legal issue, you're going to buy land, and you want to go buy the land, you'd go to the city gate with the elders or the rulers or whatever. Everything happened at the city gate. It was a public place. So there, is she hiding her wisdom? This is how Proverbs work. Is she hiding the wisdom? No. She's actually out promoting it so you can know it. She wants you to know it. And I want you to understand, God wants you to know him. He wants you to understand him. He wants you to understand how he thinks life ought to be because he designed it. This is not hidden. It's all right here. It's all right here if you would seek after it. And that's what we're going to talk about tomorrow. So she's at the noisy streets because it's available to all people. What's, the, what's her offer? What's she selling? What's she trying to get you to follow after? She wants you to heed. She wants you to listen. So verse 22, how long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will the scoffers delight in their scoffing and the fools hate knowledge? Let's stop right there and talk about this. There are three words here. You have a simple person, you have a scoffer, and then you have a fool. How many of you have heard of those three people in Proverbs and know the distinction? Raise your hand really high. Okay, a couple of you. Okay, so here's this. <clears throat> here's what it is. Over here you have the simpleton. That's the person who's naive. That means like they don't really understand the world. This is um, if you've like a gullible person. Do you know someone who's gullible? Uh, one time I had a zit on my earlobe. And you know how when the zit goes away, it's like a red dot? And so I was over at my best friend's house and her, her, his sister was like staring at my ear and she's like, Andy, what's wrong with your ear? And I was like, oh, I got an earring. And then my parents made me take it out. She's just gullible. You could just do that. And then I started being the gullible one, and people would like trick me. And so the, the simple person is kind of like that, but not like a practical joke, is that they don't understand life. Really, I shouldn't like buy this piece of property where I can get billions of dollars of oil for like 10 bucks or, oh no, a Saudi prince really did email me and I just have to send him my credit card and he'll, he'll give me all the fortune for like those sorts of simpleton naive things. That's what the simpletons like. They're untested. And when it comes to the morals, they're just going with the flow. They don't know what's right and wrong. They're not really thinking about these things. Oh yeah, they're kind of going along with the crowd. Then over here you have in the middle, the fool. This is a person who's sinful, who's living for sin, and they're doing their thing. 
and it's sin. It's not good. It's wickedness. It's the sinners in chapter 1 that we read about the other day. And these people, I think if they would submit, they could turn. But often they end up kind of attracting this person. And this person gets pulled into the group. So you got the simpleton, you got the fool, and then you have the scoffer or the scorner. Now this is the person who knows what the Bible says, or in, in his world it would have been knows what's right and wrong, and says, I reject it, it's stupid, I'm not doing that. They're in entrenched rebellion. They're against God, they're rejecting God. In Proverbs, as you study this, and I hope you study Proverbs when you leave, these three characters come up a lot. So when she says, how long will they love this? How long will they delight? How long will they hate? She's saying, how long will fools continue to be fools and not become wise? Because I have wisdom that I would offer them, but they won't listen. Where are you today? Is there wisdom that's been offered to you that you're not heeding or following? Have you been told, hey, this is wrong. You shouldn't be doing that. You're going down the wrong path. Where are you on the spectrum? Are you persisting as a fool? Are you out and out rejecting? Or are you just like not really understanding why that's such a big deal? She's calling out to all of you. The question is, will you heed what she's saying? Now, this is kind of an exasperated offer. Um, if you look at like the way she's speaking in verse 23, she's like, uh, if, you would, if you would turn at my reproof, I would pour out my spirit on you. I'd make my words known to you. And in 22, you get the sense that she's just like exasperated. She's been selling this. She's been telling you, you can have it, you can have it. And no one's listening. And she's like, oh, if you would just listen to me, you could be wise. So what's she do? She laughs. Verse 24 she laughs. Why does she laugh? She's not being mean. It's not like the guys who your buddy messes up and you do something horrible and you all laugh about it. The laughter isn't actually her. So let's talk about this laughter because it can seem like God's kind of being harsh. Verse 24, because I have called on you and you have refused to listen, because I stretched out my hand, I was like, here's the wisdom, I'm holding my hand out and you uh, ignored all my counsel, you didn't heed it, and you would have none of my rebuke. So why is she about to laugh? She's laughing not because something bad happened to you, and she's like, ha ha. She's laughing because she offered you the path of wisdom, and you rejected it, and now you're reaping the fruit of being on the wrong path. It still sounds kind of harsh, right? I mean, this is God. You, you, you know you should do something, you don't do it, and you mess up, and you're staring the results in the face, and God's laughing at you? Man, I still think that seems kind of out of character. All right. In Hebrew poetry, this is an example of, it's, it's like a, a, a metaphor or an analogy. God's not really laughing. He does not take joy when your life falls apart. That's not what God's doing. But... We understand laughter, and we understand mocking, and usually you make fun of things that are obvious. Like, I, if someone does something really stupid, and everybody knew it, and they, would know, they know better, and then it like hurts them, and it's not like really painful, you all laugh. I went, uh, how many of you like Chinese food? Okay, okay. I didn't really eat Chinese food when I was in high school, 
I think I went one time when I was young and I hated it and we never did that. We like pizza and stuff. So in high school, I go out with my buddy's family after church and we go to this Chinese restaurant. And so we got egg rolls and like, this is all new. There's this weird soup that has like no flavor and uh, egg particles in it. And you know, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Egg drop, I know. I know what it is now. I love it. But that, back then I'm like, what is, what is this? And uh, there's no sugar in any of this. <clears throat> and so I ordered something that they told me to order. So they bring the egg rolls while we're waiting and there's two dipping sauces. There's this one that was like red and sugary. It's a sweet and sour. And there's this other sauce that was kind of pasty and creamy looking. And my buddy's dad was a total prankster. He was always messing with us teens. And so he looks at me, he's like, okay, Andy, listen, just take your fork and dip the tiniest drop in this, in this sauce. It, it's really, really, really hot. I'm like, Steve's just messing with me, whatever. And uh, so I take my egg roll and dunk. Now, anyone eat wasabi before? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating. I think I had a full inch of coverage. And I'm right in there. Oh my word. I'm not, so, you know, like, um, you ever see those like food eating competitions where they're like eating a ghost pepper and all of their holes in their head are weeping and there's like snot coming out and there's tears and their ears are like, earwax is coming out. Like, it wasn't that bad. But I distinctly remember thinking, you know how when you're cleaning with ammonia and it hits your nose and everything opens? That's what it felt like while my mouth was on fire. And so like, so, so I, I'm like, and, and he is, he's in tears laughing at me. What a jerk. And he's like, no, just, okay, let's just, take the soup. There's the sauce and sugar. And like, he's laughing. My friend's laughing. The mom, who is like the sweetest, she's laughing. <laughs> Like, come on! <laughs> okay, why, why are we laughing? We're laughing because I knew better, and I was warned, and I persisted. Now, in, inside of me, I do the same thing to other people when they do stupid things. That's what this passage is doing. It's saying we all have this shared understanding. Something dumb happens, and we sort of laugh at the other person for being stupid. You knew better... You were warned, and now you're about to hit your face on the concrete. And in your head, you're like, I'm an idiot. Oh, I should have listened. It's that idea of regret. So laughing here is not God being mean at you. The, the text is saying you're going to laugh at yourself. You're going to regret what you've done. You're going to say, ah, oh, I shouldn't have done that. You wouldn't heed correction. And so what happens the truth that you knew, that you were told, that you were not ignorant of, sort of mocks you inside of you. Um, just think of the stupid things you've done that you've been warned about, and later you regretted. And that's, that's kind of what it's talking about. You're, you're going to regret. So God's not mad at you. God's not mocking you. God's not laughing at you. But wisdom is telling you, if you want to be wise, listen and heed the correction. Because at a certain point, there's going to be nothing you can do about it. Um, this, as the text goes on in verse 28, and oh, by the way, actually, let me go back really quick to 26. I'll laugh at your calamity. Calamity is a really strong word here. It's like a, a really tragic event. Um, I will 
Uh, when terror strikes you like a storm and calamity hits you like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, those are all really serious events. That's not like eating wasabi or uh, anything else. Um, here's the example. I, when I was young, man, I just I got a lot of stupid stories because I was stupid. Anyone ever get to like use an axe on anything? Okay, you've used an axe. So if you are using the axe wrongly, okay, you got the metal part and you got the wood, and I'm trying to axe this thing. I got to hit with this, but if I miss and I hit with the wood, what happens to the axe handle? It splits, and then if I do it again, the axe handle, the axe head's going to like fly somewhere. We had this crab apple tree in the backyard, which was great if you had a slingshot. Shoot, shoot those. Uh, but when you tried to walk around and it was like applesauce, it was horrible. So we cut it down, and there was a stump, and Dad's like, I'm going to go chop the stump up. And I was like, can I do it? And I'm like 12, and I'm thinking I'm all big and bad. And, he's, and he, 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 you know, you know the look your parents give you? And the looks, they don't say it out loud, but they're like, I shouldn't say yes to this, but I'm going to. So Dad looks at me like that, and he can't think of a reason to say no, and he's like, okay. But Andy, and he gives me this huge warning to be careful. Don't hit the axe handle. And I, like a very attentive young child, was like, Dad, I know. Okay, I didn't listen. I didn't pay attention. I was just filled with my 12-year-old brute strength that I was about to show off. So he gives me this axe, which is like half my like distance of my height. I'm so excited. And I go out there, and I'm going to kill this stump. It is going to face my wrath. And how many whacks did it take for me to break the axe, axe, uh, the axe handle? One. It was the most humbling wham. And I hear this. And I look, and there's a big splinter off the back of the axe. I haven't been out for long. I have done nothing on the task. It's not like I hacked a bunch up and then I missed. Literally, my first strike, I hit the axe handle. You know what went through my mind? He told me to be careful about the axe handle. And that was it. The wisdom was mocking me. My dad's words were ringing in my ears. Now, this is just an axe handle. I walk back in. I'm like, Dad, he's got his back turned. Yes, son. Uh, broke the axe handle. What did my dad do? He didn't mock me, actually. He just turned around. He's super gentle. He's like, okay, I'll fix it. And he went to the store to get a new axe handle. He was super gracious. It was one of those things I remember about my dad. And I want you to understand that that's how God is when you sin. You mess up. You knew you shouldn't have. You can go to God. My dad was, I'm so thankful for his example. That's like God. You're going to regret. You're going to look at the thing you did and know that people told you not to do it. And you did it anyways. And now you're super shamed and embarrassed. You can go to God. He loves you. He forgives you. He's not holding on to that. You know why? Christ already paid for that sin. You can be forgiven. This is what we've been talking about all week. Chris asked last night, what are you waiting for? Like, you understand, like, the God of Christianity is so awesome. He loves you. He created you. What are you waiting for? This wisdom thing is all about life, like the way we live our lives, what we do, but it's also about eternity. At a certain point, there's not going to be the opportunity for you to turn from sin and turn to Christ and be forgiven. At a certain point, it's going to be over. Please, today, we're pleading with you. What are you waiting for? So my dad leaves, and I'm kind of sulking in the garage, embarrassed. And my brother comes out and says, Andy, I just want to come out and say thank you. Okay. Why? Well, 
Now I'm the good son. It's like, what a jerk. He was right, though. So this, this is not, do you see that this is not a God being avenged, uh, vengeful and angry? This is, is saying, like, if you would listen to what God says, there's actually a blessed life for you. It'll be hard. You'll go through struggles. But God's good. But if you don't listen, you're going to go down these paths that you're going to regret. And right now, at the age you're at, it's the most critical for you to understand this. Your whole life's ahead of you. You could be following the Lord and, and serving him and learning all the good things he has for you. But if you persist in rebelling, one day there's going to be no offer. So wisdom is silent now. What happens in 28 is everything changes. The fool wakes up. Oh no, I've messed up. I'm in this situation. I'm going to go to prison. Someone's pregnant. I'm going to be grounded indefinitely for cartwheeling a car, trying to impress a girl, whatever your situation is. And you're like, how do I get out of this? What does the book of James say you should do if you need wisdom? James 1. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally. What does wisdom say here? You're going to pray. You're going to call out for me, and I'm not going to say anything. So this is, again, not bitterness. This is talking about a real-life experience when you persist in rebellion and you persist in your own way. You're going to pray for a way to get out of the situation, and there's not going to be a way. Okay, so I talked about the cartwheeling. I'll tell you the story now. So I'm driving down this gravel road. There's a girl in the car. I'm trying to impress her. I got this Nissan Sentra. Imagine like a Pepsi can on wheels, okay? 80, 86 Nissan Sentra stick shift. It's like about 95 horsepower, okay? It's, it's front-wheel drive, which I didn't understand. I tried to do a donut in it when I got it in a gravel parking lot. And I'm like, all right, PJ, let's do donuts. He's like, okay. And so I like put it in there, and I slam it in you know, and I finally get up to like 10 and I go and to do, to like turn and I just did a big circle. Something's wrong. How do you do this? Not, I couldn't figure out, you have to have a rear wheel drive car to do that. So anyways, I'm out on the gravel road and I'm going to like open up, open it up, show how fast it is. So dumb. And I'm trying to impress this girl. And, and I kind of start weaving back and forth and the back end would do this like, like I would turn and then it would kind of like the back end would float for a minute, fishtailing. So I'm like, oh, this is kind of fun. It's cool. We'll do this. So fishtailing, fishtailing. And um, car fishtails, fishtails, fishtails. I'm, now I'm looking at the cornfield, but that's the road. And I'm like, oh, no, no. So overcorrect. So overcorrect. And if this is the, 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 the ditch, wheels go into the ditch, drop. And that's when the cartwheel happened. And I land on one of those barbed wire fence posts. And so it all happens in an instant. If you've ever had something like that happen to you, you know that like your brain speeds up. And so I clearly remember to dunk, dunk, going like this. And then I remember being like this in my car. And you know the really tall green grass? It's like in the windshield. And I'm like, this is not good. <laughs> and land, and my car was so old, the key had been, this is like 97, so the car was like, kind of old and had been beat up. The key was wore down, so you could put it in, start the car, but then it was not locked in, and you could pull the key out while you're driving. So you used to always mess with people. I'd be driving, I'm like, here, can you hold these? And the passenger's like, it was a great trick. <clears throat> Until I cartwheeled the car. And we get done with the accident, and we're sitting there, and I, and I go to turn the car off, and I don't know where my keys are. And I like look everywhere. I can't find my keys. 
So I just jammed it in the first and pulled the clutch, and then when I got out, they were way under the foot pedal. So what happened, though, is I'm praying, God, how, am I getting, how, how can I solve this? I'm praying. Like, you understand, I'm waiting on the road for the tow truck. The girl hit her head on the window, didn't get knocked out, but it made me shook, like I could have killed someone. i got to talk to her dad now. I mean, this is, this is bad. And in that moment, what am I doing? I'm praying. I'm calling out to God for wisdom. Lord, how do I get out of this? No answer. Lord, what do I do? No answer. God, I don't know what to do. No answer. Now, it's not that God wasn't answering me. It's that the way of the sinner is hard. Okay? The way of the sinner is hard. When you sin, the consequences catch up. And you got to endure them. You just got to go through them. Sometimes God is really gracious. I have done stupid things and not gotten caught, or I've not gotten punished, or nothing bad happened. And God's really gracious, but sometimes God lets that happen. And this is your opportunity to grow. What should you do? You're calling out to God for wisdom. What should you do? Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Admit that you've done dumb things. And turn and look for wisdom. Where can you find wisdom? Where can you find wisdom? You can find it all over. You have a counselor this week who's probably walked with the Lord way longer than you, understands a thing or two about life. I had a speaker once say, you know, your parents are a good source of advice because they've actually been to the future and they can tell you about it. And it took me a long time to figure out what it means, but your parents have lived as a teenager already. Your counselor has lived as a teenager already. Your youth leaders, your pastors, they've actually lived a lot of life. And if you would humble yourself and ask them, what should I do? And then do what they say, that's you heeding wisdom. Now, I want to talk about unanswered calls. Unanswered calls. We, um, man, if you struggle in your prayer life that you pray for things and God doesn't answer, um, what, what? think about this one. So I, I cartwheel my car. Uh, I got my license taken away. I got grounded indefinitely. And the other thing is I had to do my own laundry. My parents are horrible. No. <laughs> it's just, it was an interesting thing. I think what they were trying to do is they were trying to think, like, what is Andy doing in life? He's just living for fun and happiness. Well, he can't drive. That's a privilege he's lost. He can't go out with friends. That's a privilege he's lost. He needs to be doing some responsible things in life. We'll make him do his own laundry. I hate, hated laundry. Oh, man, it was hard. I had to go get it clothes, and there's nothing clean. And my mom would just leave it in a pile. It was really good for me. But that was actually teaching me. It was teaching me to be self, unselfish, teaching me to work. It was good. But in that moment when I'm calling, God, save me from this situation, and he allows me to go through the consequences, if I didn't understand what it says in this passage, you know what I might have done? Yeah, I prayed to God. He doesn't answer. He doesn't, he's not real. I got in this bind. He didn't do anything for me. He's a bad God. He doesn't even exist. Do you see that? Do you see? I could blame God for something that's my fault. God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He loves you. All you have to do is turn and humbly repent and, and, and cry out to him for faith and ask him for forgiveness. He'll save you. But when it comes to this kind of thing, sometimes he lets us go through it because that's how he shows us what's in our heart and how to grow. All right, so where do we go from here? Here's the lessons. Here's the lessons. Number one, complacency can kill you. Complacency can kill you. Man, if you're, if you're on the path of sin, and you know who you are, and we all are, but maybe you're dabbling in something that people have warned you about. 
Maybe you're not taking seriously being in God's word and prayer. Maybe you're living for fun and happiness, and you're not thinking about the end of life like we talked about on Monday. If you continue to reject God, at, at one point in your life, it could be really, really bad. I would, I, my par- How many times did my parents tell me to be safe in the car? Remember, I'm almost running people over. I now cartwheel a vehicle. By the way, I had to take it to a frame shop because the car bent like this. So I, I drove it home and I had to make only left turns, which was hard to get into my driveway. Like, it, but that was the fruit of my response. And that was, that was essentially killing my car. That can happen to you. Complacency means you don't really care. You could be not, not, not really be bothered by it. Most of the time, I think if you grow up in a Christian home, you know you should care about these things and you know you should not rebel and you're sort of trying, but you're kind of complacent. Remember the lesson of Ecclesiastes 7. Life is serious. Take it seriously. All right, what's the next lesson? Uh, Obedience will bring you security. Obedience will bring you security. And listening actually equals obedience. So here when it says, listen to my words, he's not saying like, like right now everyone's listening in that you hear what I'm saying. Well, there's like two of you who aren't, but everyone else is very awake. I'm very impressed. You're listening, okay? But here when it says listen, you can only have listened if you've also obeyed. That's biblical listening. Here, notice what it says. Verse 33, this is the hope. But whoever listens, obeys, follows, heeds, turns, humbles himself, whoever does that will dwell secure. You'll be at ease and you won't be dreading disaster. Uh, Speeding is a challenge. It's hard to drive the speed limit. And when I was a teen, I remember always speeding and then always being scared to death I'd get a ticket and always having low-level shame that I was disobeying the rules of the law and God wants me to obey the rules. And I just, all the time, I was just in this dread. And one day it dawned on me, if I just go the speed limit, I wouldn't have to be as scared anymore. I wouldn't like be in dread. I wouldn't be ashamed. Oh, so there is a soul-satisfying comfort that is eluding you, that you can have if you follow the Lord. It's good. He's good. He's not trying to make your life bad. But you can have this comfort, this ease, this lack of fear of dread. And that even applies when bad things happen. It's not always something that's unlawful, by the way. So right now we're talking about like really intense things. Murder, uh, you know, getting people pregnant, uh, robbing banks. Like we always use those examples, but a lot of times there are things in your life that are not necessarily sin, but they're holding you back from following God. So for me, it's video games. I, I used to play eight hours of video games a day. One of my favorite f- games on the phone was Clash of Clans. Me and my buddy, were, I, was, I think I quit at Town Hall 10, and we, were, we could three-star any base. It, well, uh, okay, almost any base. Me and Tim Little, we were good. Um, I was here at 2015, I was speaking, and the other speaker, actually, it's Grant's dad, he's the contender Grant, his dad was the other speaker, and he talked about what can you give up in your life to have a bigger gospel influence. It's 1 Corinthians, and it's where this verse comes from, and it dawned on me that I'm always playing this video game when I have a spare moment. If I would give this up, I would have more time to serve the Lord, and God convicted me. Now, is it a sin to play Clash of Clans? I don't think I would say it's a sin, but it was an idol, and it was something I was doing too much. And when I gave that up, I suddenly had time to read books, and I, I immediately realized, oh, I was spending way too much time on this. So all of these applications, it's calamity. It's, but think about the little things that are taking you. The, 
Hebrews says the sins and the weights that easily entangle us. So sometimes it's a sin that entangles your life. Sometimes it's just a hobby that's okay, but it's out of, it's out of balance and it's become an idol. Those things, heed and listen. All right, so here's how we're going to renew the mind today. i got two books for you. You have questions already, so I'm not putting them on the screen. Um, this book is, is really good, Leaders Especially. I would recommend this book to you. This is Brett Kunkel's A Student's Guide to Culture. It's Stone Street and Kunkel, sorry. And what this book does is it goes through many issues today that are going on in the world. Okay, What's culture? Why is all these uh, alternative lifestyles popping up? What do you do about these kinds of sins? When the culture says this, what, what does the Bible say? It's, it's a lay-level book, but it's a really good one for you to walk through week by week. Teens, this is something you can handle. And honestly, sometimes people think teens can't handle a lot, but I know that you're dealing with a lot right now. Like, you're dealing with big stuff. This book would be a great start for you to read with your youth leader. And then... um. This book is just how to have conversations with people and how to think logically. And today, there's a lot of stuff that's being pushed on you that wisdom would say, don't do that. And you're sort of being misled. You're being lied to. So I would recommend these two books. Now, you're thinking, why are you recommending books? You need to be reading books. Like, you need to, to put the goof, goofball stuff down. You need to stop scrolling. You need to stop playing. You start getting serious about your walk with God. Honestly, I know that sounds like a rebuke, and it is. I was you. Eight hours of video games a day, always goofing off with my friends. It didn't help my spiritual walk. And today, it's a lot worse than it was when I was a high schooler. So these two books would be helpful. Let's end in prayer. Father, we love you, God. Thank you for your grace. Lord, you are good. Father, this passage is a warning. It's primarily a warning. It's primarily saying, don't. Listen. Turn. Humble ourselves and repent. And Father, that's a hard message. That's a hard message to look at and not want to look away. But Father, I pray we would stare at it. I pray we would think about it. I pray we would talk about it. I pray we'd be honest. Lord, let us be able to be honest. We're all sinners. It's okay. We can admit that. Father, let's not hide our sin. Let's talk about it. And I pray, Lord, that we would have the humility to turn and to follow your wisdom. Father, we love you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.